Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. Negotiations Bible style. Bible style. Negotiations Bible style. These are USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. Here come the Dutch boys. Those good guys are back. With a look in their eye. They mean business this time. Pontiac, get a white dragon. Pontiac, get a white dragon. Pontiac, it's a breakaway car this year. Today, the Christian Car Guys show is live. <laughs> I don't know about the death march. <laughs> we are live from the Masculine Journey Radio Spring Boot Camp, high in the mountains of North Carolina, here at the Vineyard Camp in North Carolina. Absolutely gorgeous where I'm broadcasting from today. I wish you could be here with me looking out over the mountains and the, the wild turkeys and the, all the stuff that we're seeing. But since boot camps are essentially basic training, well, today on the Christian Car Guy Show, how about some basic training on how to sell your own car? A lot of folks, they, they trade their car because that's an intimidating process. They're not you know, really knowing how to do it. Well, we're going to give you some step-by-step stuff to do. Maybe you've done it before. Maybe you can get a, a hint or two out of what I'm going to share with you, but we're going to be getting into that. Plus, at the end of the show, a really cool thing happened. I got a chance to interview John Eldridge, who's the author of Wild at Heart, and he has some basic training for us today on prayer. And it's from his new book, Moving Mountains, Praying with Passion and Confidence and Authority. And we've got that coming up at the end of the show in our appraisal by The Real Black Book. I know you're going to enjoy that time with John Eldridge. I sure did. And today, here with me at the Vineyard Camp, I'm with Dean Barley. He, <laughs> You've been here for over 20 years in this camp. And the reason why I've, I'm really excited to have Dean on here and especially for those Jeep lovers out there like myself, part of the vineyard camp is he has these CJs. He's got a CJ5, it was 79 model, and he's got a 84, CJ7. One of those is actually an automatic. But when you come up here, you know, one of the things you see is you enter the camp, if you're a car guy, is you see these CJs. And if you were like me, and my father was a Jeep dealer growing up, CJs, when they came in from the factory, they didn't have a top, and these Jeeps don't have a top. The, the windshields are laying down on the hoods like they should. There are no doors because CJs didn't come with doors. That was something that people added later, <laughs> and even four doors now. But the original Jeeps, they just weren't like that. As a matter of fact, they didn't come with tires. We had to put the wheels on. We had to put hubs on them. They were shipped in crates rather than shipped um, on car carriers at the one point when my father was first Jeep dealer. So I see these old Jeeps out here, Dean. I am thinking that what I say every week and I, is, is, is great information, that 
if you maintain your car to last as long as you do, and you see these old tractors, they've been out in the elements since the 1940s. If you come up here, you see these Jeeps. They are literally out every day running up and down these hard trails. I mean, these you know, you going around this camp, you got 600 acres, but but there's there's something to having these vintage cars and what that brings out in young men. Amen. And the boys particularly see it, and they think uh, back to childhood, perhaps Tonka toys or something. But it's uh, the difference between a man and a boy, price of the toy. <laughs> and, and this can, we've had five. We have five Jeeps, actually, five. One's a Willys, uh, 7983, 2000. We bought a brand-new 2016 um, yesterday. Wrangler, and it's gorgeous, and it's black. And all these guys up here at the boot camp they're salivating as they're looking at it. So we're going to be talking about those Jeeps and some of what Dean has experienced in maintaining those. But this is a live show. As I mentioned, we're up here at the Masculine Journey Radio Show. And you may know the Masculine Journey Radio Show. I'm one of the co-hosts of that show. And it's about how men get back their masculine hearts. So we got 40 guys up here. They are from all over the country. We got It's kind of cool because John Eldridge started this in Colorado. One of our guys came from Colorado here. And we got people from Pennsylvania and Ohio and Virginia, of course, South Carolina, North Carolina. And and they're up here specifically to to learn how to get our masculine heart back, to to begin to hear from God. And so this is where I'm going to ask our listeners, you listening to the show right this minute, to help us. And since this is a live show, we have the ability to take your call. And what I would love to know if you call in today, is what these guys would love to hear from God. And, of course, we're hoping you all be praying for all these guys. But how did you first hear from God? Did that come at a camp experience like this? How did it come, and why did it come? We know that God has been talking the whole time, He's got, but somehow or another the ears get turned on. And the question is, how did that happen for you, your ears got turned on, all of a sudden you heard, and now you've got a relationship with the God of the universe. It's the most incredible thing ever. How did that happen to you? You have no idea how many people you might encourage by sharing that story, but you got to call us. It's a little courageous thing that you got to do in order to share. 866-3, that's the number to call, 866 884. We're live. We have all kinds of lines open. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you got a car question. Maybe you try to sell your car. Maybe you got a question for Dean about one of those CJs or the bear that he's got over here that you, you got to hear about. 866 348 7884. We'd love to hear for you today. Hear from you today. That too. 866 348 7884. So when did you start collecting these Jeeps and, 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 You've had this camp now since, for how long? 1983, the camp began. So it's been 30, 34 years now we've had the camp up here. And so it's really steep. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, when you come down the the hill, with, we're up right near blowing uh, Hanging Rock. That's correct. Yep. And right by that mountain. And so when you're kind of coming down into the valley, well, it would probably seemed like you needed some kind of four-wheel drive vehicle. Right. Tell us the story. What happened? Well, we, we've, um, the snow, the ice, when we first got to camp, there's all uh, gravel roads uh, for a mile and a half from the main road to get here. So if, if you liked four-wheel drive, you just didn't get anywhere. I mean, when it, when it would go from snow to, to slush, you couldn't get around. Uh, Jeeps were just, you know how they are. They're, uh, they can go anywhere. So we bought Jeeps with the uh, winches. And I can tell you, I have never, ever been stuck in a jeep at this camp never 
anywhere we go, water, mud, hills. If I get in trouble, put the winch on them, get it out. And so we, we, we love them. The ones we've bought, we've never lost. Um, we, if we buy them brand new, the ones we have bought secondhand, we, we have had issues with at times, but the ones I bought brand new, we never sell. We never sell them. We keep them forever. And, and that's, you know, just phenomenal to me and so cool because again, if you're a young man or, or maybe even young, I'm sure they all love it. When you come up here and you see that old CJ and the the windshields laid down, of course, they're the right color. They're green. And then they have this beautiful, um, vineyard logo on the side, which, you know, there's this wolf involved, and and that's one of the cool things about this camp is the wolf. Yeah, yeah, it's an Arctic wolf, and if the Jeep is sitting there, she's in the front seat. She, she's <laughs> ready to go. We took these Jeeps, and we have them all um, outfitted with this uh, Rhino Guard inside of them and, uh, and uh, you know, waterproof seats, and uh, we leave them outside year-round. I mean, we, and we, we have on these Jeeps over a quarter of a million miles, each one. Wow, well, we're going to be talking a lot about that, and we want to get to our segment on how to sell your own used car. And again, we, we said at the beginning of the show that we're going to share some of that along the road today. Uh, you know, maybe you've never tried it. You bought a car, didn't seem like the dealer was going to give you enough for it. You decided, well, I want to try to sell it myself. I can get more for it. Well, of course you can, because if a dealer trades for it, honestly, he's got to trade for it at a price where... Um, he can wholesale it if he doesn't sell it because most dealers they're like any other business person if inventory does not move they have to get rid of it because he ties up their money and so when they trade for a car they buy a car their consideration is after 60 days if i don't sell this car i've got to make it go away and that means i've got to sell a wholesale so they can't have a vehicle in their inventory that would represent a loss to them if in 60 days they can't sell it and also obviously they need to make a profit in order to justify tying up the money so you have all those factors in it and people used to say all the time well you can sell this car for xx well yeah i hope i can <laughs> but if I, you know that always doesn't work out that way and if it doesn't work out that way i've got to be able to turn this out and get my money back so i can put it in somebody else's used car that might sell and because you know, I had the dealership in Moxville. That would mean that the car wouldn't sell in Winston-Salem. Give cars sell in different areas. So we're going to be talking a lot about how do you price a used car? How is it you advertise it? All those kind of things that you may be wondering about. We're going to talk more about this boot camp. And most of all, we would love to hear, when did you hear from God? 866-348-7884. we got a lot more. Christian Car Guy Show. John Eldridge. Come on. high in the mountains of North Carolina at the Vineyard Camp, this amazing 300-bed camp that is just so picturesque here up near Hanging Rock in North Carolina. And uh, we're up here with Dean Barley today. We're talking about his Jeeps, but we're also talking about how to sell your own car. 
And most of all, we are with these men that are working on their, their masculine hearts, and we're asking that you would pray for them as well as give us your insight. What was it that happened in your life where you began to hear from God? Because it seems what you hear somebody that, that was at a camp somewhere, they heard from God there maybe to go be a missionary, or maybe that was when they originally came to know Christ and begin a relationship with the Lord of the universe. How did that happen for you? How encouraging would it be for all those people to get to hear that story? 866-348-7884 is the number to call in. 866-34-TRUTH. I know it takes some courage to call in and do that, but you have no idea the people that would be encouraged to hear how you heard from God because there are so many people out there that would love to hear from them, that they would love to have ears to hear, but they really just they need to hear your story so they can connect maybe on how they can do that. We would love to hear it. So, Dean, getting back to our Jeeps. Um, I'm, I'm interested. The 79, is that a six-cylinder or four-cylinder? It's a four-cylinder. It's a four-cylinder um, standard. Then I have an 83 that's a six-cylinder automatic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, the 79, is that the original engine in it? or All original. Really? The neat thing about, about these Jeeps we, that we, we purchased ourselves, we, we got uh, from, good, from good friends, we, uh, we maintain them. We shake the fluids daily, and um, we've been uh, – I, I spend probably $500 a year on the older Jeeps total per year to maintain those Jeeps. It's it, it's a bargain, you know. Occasionally a battery, occasionally, you know, we'll have to do something with the transmission, but original engines, original uh, parts, uh, the whole things are all original. The Willys was, was a problem, but the others have been very good Jeeps for us. Well, the Willys was probably six volts. Yep. And, it came, and on that... a, yeah, it, it came on a trailer, and we had great ideas of restoring it, but um, it was too far gone. It was too far gone. We got it. My father was the Jeep dealer in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we would get these old CJ2s, CJ3s, and they were six-volt systems. And, you know, they had generators. They yeah. didn't have alternators, and they had funny wiring. And after, you know, 60 years, that wiring you know, and it, and the, the relays and things that were just it was a difficult thing to keep those up but again it shows that you know you think about it you make an initial investment on those jeeps was, you know even back in 1979 it was probably six or seven thousand dollars but think of other people that they've bought how many cars since then yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and our, i just told my kid we bought a new jeep you know again uh, a day or two ago and i told him we're, we're, we're never going to sell this jeep we're going to keep it forever we're going to keep it forever. So we don't think about trading it in two or three years, but we're keeping it. And we keep our vehicles like that. We maintain them, and we get our money's worth out of them. And you said that they, the people that sold you the Jeep, which interestingly was the Chrysler store that I opened many, many years ago in Winston-Salem, um, which is now called North Point. But anyway, they gave you a lifetime warranty, and they don't know what they set themselves up for. <laughs> They are in trouble. Do they uh, figure your lifetime or Greg's lifetime? I hope they mean Greg's, but yeah, we'll, but we'll keep it forever. So that's good. Well, there's a, a video at my website, at christiancarguy.com, of um, an 87-year-old lady who bought a Mercury. Um, I'm trying to think of what brand of the model of Mercury it was. But anyway, she had over 480,000 miles on it, and she had bought like a a battery from Sears that are pennies 
that had a lifetime warranty. And she had a book that she would lay out, and she goes, I had a lifetime warranty on that. I've had eight of them, you know. I, they gave me a lifetime, Midas gave me a lifetime warranty on the muffler. I've had six. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great and she there's this video it's still there yeah. christian god the name will come to me but i when you mentioned the lifetime warning i thought about that that you know if you know you're going to keep your car as long as you live like i do old red then you, you know you buy lifetime warnings but you know they offer lifetime warnings on certain people on brakes on alignment on all these different things and so if you end up you know keeping a book like uh, this, this lady did, then, yeah. you, you know, you've got a phenomenal resource mm-hmm. there that you just keep turning over. Well, I promised to get to this um, uh, how to sell your own car. And, and I know that for a lot of folks, um, that's an intimidating situation. But before you even begin the process, um, one of the things that I think you ought to consider is, you know, are you prepared to sell it? Is there a payoff to your car? And if there is a payoff to your car, what does that mean exactly in the process? If somebody comes up to you and they want you to know, say you owe $10,000 on that car and, and, they, and you, you sell it for $11,000, how does the car get paid off? How do they get the title? How do you have this in mind that the, all that's going to happen and you need that kind of figured out before the person gets there and you go, oh, by the way, I don't have the title to this car, but I need you to pay it off. And how does that work? And, of course, if you're in the midst of selling that, you know, that may be something that you talk to your the person that's going to buy it early on. Normally what I tell people and what car dealers do, um, we don't, you know, if we sell a car that has a payoff or we trade for a car that has a payoff, we don't let the customer pay it off, so to speak. In other words, you being the seller, because if you if you pay it off for the customer and you're going to wait 30 days on the title and the people are not going to wait 30 days on the title. So call your loan company that has the title, find out what the process would be that they would accept. What I recommend you can do if you're if the people that hold the title will agree to it is that have the purchase that the person that's buying the car call the lending institute, institution and get the payoff themselves so they know and then have them verify if I send you a check for $10,000 that you're going to send me the title to this address. And see, once they know that they're going to get the title from the lending person, they can, they'll say, look, I'm going to give you a 1000 and I'm going to send the payoff to your, you know, all those are things that you need to work out before you even begin to think, am I going to sell this car? How are they even going to go about doing that? So we're going to talk more about reconditioning, pricing, advertising, making the sale, lots more from this boot camp. But I really was looking forward to your phone calls. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. We're live from Spring Boot Camp, Masculine Journey. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Welcome back to the Christian Car Guy Show. Today we are live at the Masculine Journey Radio Spring Boot Camp 2016. We're up here with about 40 guys. How cool is that? What opportunity to be out in the outdoors learning about their masculine heart and helping um, for them to hear God. And we would love to hear your story on how that happened. We'd love to hear... uh, 
about your relationship with the Lord. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. And we have Dean Barley here. He is with the Vineyard Camp, That's the who's hosting this event. And uh, this is a fabulous camp up here, about 300 beds, a lake. My father's here, who's 87. He was catching fish out there. He skunked Well, he didn't skunk me. I did get, catch one, but he caught six to my one. And uh, really nice, and he just had the best time out there. Um, they have horse, but there were guys around horseback riding. They, I mean, you just have to see it. It's it, the fantastic shooting and fencing and skeet and all sorts of things like that. Um, but one of the coolest things we've been talking about are these Jeeps, these older Jeeps that, that Dean has. But the other thing that I would love to talk about for a minute, Dean, before we get into some of these things about selling your own car, is you have an opportunity because this camp is known throughout the world. People come from all over the world, and, and you've actually had the president of, of France's son here and recently, and so you went to France um, because they're bringing a lot of folks. The president of France is bringing a lot of folks over there, but you kind of know what the feeling of France is in the current crisis, and w- could you speak to that a minute for people that would get your insight that normally wouldn't hear about that? Well, I'd, I'd say that the ones I know are, are shocked, you know, the, the French have this egalitarian mentality towards the world. And, you know, if you treat people nice, they're going to treat you nice back. And this sense of fraternity and, in, and equality. So they have brought in um, Muslim immigrants for years with this mentality that, you know, we, we have an obligation to uh, to be host to people like this. But they didn't require the people who came into the country to um, assimilate very well. In Holland, for example, in their neighbor, you've got to speak Dutch and learn the culture to be a citizen. But in France, it was much more an open system. The result was you had these conclaves of, of, of Muslims uh, in, in, in Europe that, that never became part of the culture. And, and, and uh, I saw the rise, oh, 15 years ago, I began to see the anger with the uh, Muslim youth and adults in France. And, and, I, and I watched as my French friends basically shirked away, they wouldn't confront them when they were impolite or rude to uh, you know, the French people. And, and I thought, this is going to boil over eventually. I mean, I, I, I could see it coming 15 years ago. I saw France becoming less France and more, uh, I don't know, some other Mideast country. And I, and I questioned that, you know, 15 years ago. Anyway, my, my point being that I think it's a boiling point now. I, I think the French people have said enough. They're, they're, they're shocked uh, they're they're angry. Uh, they're disgusted that their kindness has been turned around. I think they've they've come from this secular mentality towards uh, the world is headed to a better place. To the reality that the world is, is full of, of a bunch of evil things. I mean, I, I and I think they're prepared to say this is evil. Th- there was a hard time for the French people to say right and wrong. I interviewed staff for years, and I asked them, "Do you believe in right and wrong?" And they'd say, "Well." There's a little bit left, a little bit right. Now they're saying this is black. This is evil. And I, I think I could see, honestly, a revival in the church. I can see it. I can see them saying that there is a need for a savior. There is a need to be able to call things right and wrong and also to fight for things that are right. Yeah, and you can kind of see those things headed our way. And so Absolutely. you know, things that we can be praying for and, and reasons for people to come to camps like this mm-hmm. to hear from God like we've talked about. Because you, you were telling me before the show how many people in ministry, where where, where did they get their call? At it, it camp. It's, it's incredible the percentage of pastors and youth workers who felt the call to full-time Christian ministry at a camp. 
Yeah, it's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Is you know where did you know Jesus go? But out in the wilderness right. when when that's he right. was going to hear from his father, and that's just part of part of the reason that we have these masculine journey boot camps out here. Well, I got to get to this because we got John Eldridge coming on the last segment. I know you're not going to want to miss John talking about his n- book on prayer, uh, moving mountains. But after you consider how you're going to handle that payoff and all those things, I'm just saying you got to get prepared and and don't go buy anything Robbie said and get yourself in trouble. Ask your attorney or or ask the bank that's that loaning the money. Get that all straight. I'm just saying that's something you have to think through and get the process done. Um, before you before you begin to advertise the car, because you got to know what you're going to do. So the next thing, from my standpoint, if you're going to sell a car, what a dealer is going to do, I promise you, he's going to recondition it. And because to sell a car with a check engine light on it just means the person that's looking at the car has got to assume the most expensive repair that could possibly be there. That you know you don't want to if the check engine light the customer is going to immediately think well that could cost me six or seven hundred dollars to repair or if an ABS light's on they're thinking two or three thousand, so if you can get that repair done for sixty eighty a hundred and twenty dollars you those people are willing to pay more for the car because they've got to set aside enough money to whatever it takes to repair any light that's on so you know the first thing you got to do is any major repairs or things you know are wrong with the car because that that's just going to cost you have to set aside more money and money is time so if it's going to take me time to repair that i've got to consider the money it's going to be to repair it and the time to repair it then obviously maintenance you know if if you're going to sell the car and somebody pulls out the dipstick and it's half a quart low you know this can't be good (laughs) you know if you look at the 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 uh coolant and it's you know it's supposed to be green and it's it's kind of dingy brown that you know this ain't good so you got to get the maintenance up to, to be, you know, be prepared for the people that are going to check that out. And then um, the tires. Uh, if, <laughs> I don't know a used car dealer that if the tires are half gone, they're going to absolutely replace them because one of the first things anybody looks at <laughs> when they're going to buy a car is they're going to look at the tires. And so that's something that needs to be done. And then that detail, you know, cleaning it up, making sure that it looks as good as it possibly can because, you know, that first impression when they drive up and they look at the car and, and people, they think when they sit down and they see dust all over the dash compared to if they sit down and they see clean instruments, clean instruments mean that person took care of the car, means the car was maintained. The image is so much of when you're selling a car. Then the next and probably the biggest mistake people make when they sell a car is they don't figure out how to price the car properly. They don't know how those books that you can go online, Kelly Blue Book, Black Book, and all those things. Yeah, they're great guides, but you don't have to know how to read them. And people spend lives, their lifetime learning how to read those books and how to know the difference between an average car and a rough car and a clean car. And most people, 98% of the people overrate their car. They think their car is a clean car, but their car is an average car. Clean cars are very, very, very rare. For a car to be clean in Robbie's book or most used car people's book, it's got to be extremely low miles. It has to be really obviously well, well, well maintained. There are very, very, very few clean cars out there. And that's okay. An average car is an average car. So how you rate the car, get the pricing. What's wrong with asking many counselors plan succeed? You, my email's right there, christiancarguy.com, all over the place. People every week ask me, Robbie, what do you think my car's worth? What do you think I should sell it for? You know, I can give you my, my, my take on that. That's what I'm here for. 
ChristianCarGuy.com. You know, the Jesus Labor Loves there, our car repair for single moms, widows, and families in crisis, all that stuff is at ChristianCarGuy.com. What a resource. And I have all my experts there, all the people that, that are involved in, 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 you know, Bob from 109, you pull it, all those experts. That's the reason many counselors plan to succeed. We have that Ask an Expert page there for that very kind of thing. Then the other thing is that if you ask too little for a car, you know, if you didn't do your homework, and you don't ask enough, that a too low a price can literally scare off buyers because they're thinking something must be wrong with this car. In fact, <laughs> when I found the car for my daughter, it was obvious to me that the price was too low. And I, and I was like, wow. And it was kind of scary to me. Like, is there something underneath this that the person knows that I don't? <laughs> As it turned out, I checked out the car and everything. She's had the car for a while now, and there was nothing wrong. It was just priced too low. And it was obviously, you know, to me that that, that was the situation. And that, But so you got to do your homework when it comes to pricing. And making it too low is as scary to a buyer as making it too high. You have all those things, and it takes some thought and consideration. Then, of course, advertising, which is a lot easier than it used to be. You used to have to pay for an ad in the newspaper and all those kind of things. Well, Craigslist is just like this phenomenal free resource. I just have to tell you, um, anybody I know that's either selling or buying cars these days is using Craigslist. And, and it's almost like this resource of where all these things are. And so that's an easy one. Now, if you've got a specialty car, you know, you have a Mini Cooper or something that you're trying to sell, uh, maybe an old Viper uh those cars, that's what eBay Motors for. You, When I had, would trade for a car like that, I would always go to eBay Motors with it because you can get somebody out of California. You can go to all these places to find these unique cars. Well, there's a lot more to how to sell your car. Of course, we'll have all those resources posted at ChristianCarGuy.com as well as links if you want to find out about the Vineyard Camp or Masculine Journey. But now stay tuned because you got John Eldridge coming up in the last segment of the Christian Car Guy Show. Stay tuned. So much more coming up. treat for you today on the Christian Car Guy Show. You know, I've been doing my appraisal by the Real Black Book for years and years, and what an opportunity I have today to share something that, that honestly, if, if, if I could ask God for anything above your salvation that's listening today that you could have that God would impart into you, um, my passion has always been that you would have a conversational intimacy with Jesus. And something that I have enjoyed immensely has made all the difference in the world in my life. And one of the people that has spoken that into me in so many different ways over the last number of years is John Eldridge, the author of Wild at Heart. And he recently wrote a book on this conversational intimacy, which he calls Moving Mountains, Praying with Passion and Confidence. So I want to welcome John Eldridge to the show today to talk about that very issue, conversational intimacy with Jesus, which I know, John, is a big part of your passion. Yeah, it sure is. I'm, I'm glad to glad to be with you. Love the opportunity. And the, the idea is prayer is a place for so many of us that it, it, it struggle with it, even after we've been doing it for years and years. So here's sort of a practical guide that can help along those lines. 
Yeah, I wanted to, um, there, there's enough books on prayer out there. I, I didn't even want to write this book, but I feel like God said, you need to show people how. Like, there's enough theory, there's enough you ought to do this, there's a, kind of enough, I think everybody feels, you know, a tinge of guilt that, oh yeah, I, I guess I ought to pray more. That's just not helpful. What I wanted to do is say, look, it's pretty simple if you break it down, uh, kind of like, you know, what you're doing with, with folks and, and their cars. It's like, if you can you can break this down into some simple things for people in prayer. And uh, one of the first big ideas you were just hitting on here is like, let it be a two-way deal. Because like, kind of what we do is we make prayer speeches, right? We, oh, yeah. we come in, <laughs> we talk, we leave, Right. I mean, like, try that in your marriage. Like, you would not get away with that, you know? And, and so the idea is, whoa, 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 hang on. Like, let him talk back. Like, like begin to open up the possibility that God's, uh, he's got a desire to talk your direction, too, you know? And, and even just that, that simple step can, can open up some really wonderful things. Yeah, you have a chapter on a list, just listening prayer and what's involved with that, which is just awesome. One of the other chapters that just grabbed my attention, <laughs> and I know it's also cl- close to your heart, Third Graders at Normandy. <laughs> now, that's a title of a chapter that you just got to go, what in the world? Yeah, yeah, because that's kind of, it's kind of where we are right now. It feels like with the, one of the other really big ideas that I don't know how this got lost um, for folks is, is that we actually live in a world at war. You know, you there's more than 2 million children every year that are trafficked in the sex trade. And, you know, you, you think about little girls that are being forced into, you know, having sexual things with, with men every single day, you know, for a quarter, for a dollar. And, and like, like, you understand, that there's evil in the world. Like, there, you know, and you take ISIS had a new... Uh, Fatwa last December, kind of one of their religious dis- decrees that now they're they're executing handicapped children, and uh, you just go. So you understand, folks, <laughs> like there's evil in the world, and and a lot of times, like in the whole prayer equation, you know, people say, "Well, I prayed, I tried, it didn't work," and you go, "Wait a second, like you're probably blaming things on God that have nothing to do with Him. It's your enemy. It's the evil one." The idea of third graders at Normandy, like you, you wouldn't want to hit the beaches at Normandy, you know, carrying your lunchbox and a, and a textbook, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah, you want to, you want to grow up in, in like, whoa, teach me to pray because, like, that's our secret weapon. That's the, one of the most powerful things we have. So let's let's learn how to do this thing so we don't get taken out. Yeah, oh, wow. It's just, it, you know, we have a boot camp coming up on the Masculine Journey, and I just this week. I woke up just totally my truck that I've had forever and people that know me that, you know, it's got almost 400,000 miles on it. The engine went out on it and I got another engine put in and, and the harmonic balancers is gone bad on that engine. And I'm just totally defeated, you know, like, really? You're the Christian car guy and you can't get your own truck to work? Right. <laughs> and I got all these things going on and, I, and I'm waking up and I'm not feeling any hope and I know it's warfare. I know I got all these things. And I was like, Lord, I really need something and it hit me. John's prayers in there. He's got a daily prayer, which I've really, really enjoyed many, many times. I haven't gotten the habit of doing it. But I just sat down and I just went to that. And there's no explaining what the end of that daily prayer does for me. Um, 
it, it talks about things that I really never had thought about asking in prayer, like calling angels to come help me and the spirit of God to lift up other people to pray for me and things that, I mean, it's just awesome. And, and, and not to mention, you know, just bringing Jesus into your whole situation, that daily prayer is huge. Yeah, it, it's real helpful, too, because, again, like you were saying, folks, you know, want to kind of get a prayer life going maybe, but don't know how. And the daily prayer is just something that we've kind of done over the years, and it gives you some handrails. It kind of gives you a starting place. I don't think prayer is always, you know, following what someone else is, is praying, but sometimes it is. Sometimes that's helpful, and, and it's become such a natural part of what we do. I mean, I, I actually pray it like even before the morning cup of coffee. Like, it's the first thing of the day, because if I can dial in, you know, if I, if I can reconnect with God and the power of what Christ has done for us, like, if I can dial back into that every day, like, it makes a massive difference for the rest of the day. You know, it changes everything, my marriage, the meetings I'm in, the decisions I'm making. Like, it's super helpful. So, yeah, I put that in the book just because I thought, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> let, that, let that be a, uh, a place folks can go to, to lean into something that's already put down on, on paper and, and learn to kind of pray something like that would be really helpful. Yeah, and you kind of get spoiled because once you've had that connection and you wake up and you're not feeling that, it's like, I can't face this. No way I can face this day. I've got to figure out how to get you back here, Lord. we got to get our union back together because I can sense that is not what's going on here. So another one of the really things, and you've written about this in several of your books, uh, which I've enjoyed so many of them, but is the idea that if it doesn't work the first time, and, and, and Elijah's prayer for the rain is just one of my favorite things that you talk about. Would you share that with our listeners? Yeah, I think, I think you know, if we can look at prayer, it's like chopping down a tree. You, you know, you've got something you're trying to change through prayer, whether it's, you know, your kids or a marriage or your finances or something's going on. Like, you don't just chop a tree down with one whack at it, you know, and drop the axe and walk away. And You look at the story of Elijah and in the Old Testament, Israel had been in a three-year drought, and then uh, God comes to Elijah, and he says, I want you to pray for rain. I'm going to bring the rain, but I want you to pray for it. And so some folks have been in Sunday school, remember the lesson, he goes up on the hill and up on the mountain there, and he prays, and, and then he sends his servant to have a look. You know, do you see any change on the horizon, anything in the weather? And the servant comes back and says, nope. And Elijah goes, okay, I'm going to go at it again. And so he prays again second time, sends his servant, servant comes back, nada. You know, he goes out a third time, sends his servant, servant comes back, nothing there, boss, I'm sorry. And like, at, by that point, I think most of us just give up. Yeah, we're done. Just go, forget it, it's not going to work, you know. And Elijah sticks at it eight times, right? And he stays with it. He doesn't give up. He doesn't lose heart. And, and finally, he sends the servant back the seventh time, and, um, you know, and, and the servant comes back and he goes, yeah, actually, there's a cloud it's not very big, but there's a cloud on the horizon, and Elijah's like, bang, that's it. We got it. We got it. There's our answer. And so, like, just learning to, like, hang in there with it. Don't, don't lose heart. Like, you know, prayer's not a, it's not like sneezing, you know? You don't just kind of go, amen, you know, and that's it. <laughs> All right. The book is called Moving Mountains. It's by John Eldridge, we've got it up there at our website, christiancarguy.com as well as links to Ransom Heart Ministries, which just has some phenomenal resources. You want some really cool stuff, I just gotta tell you. If you belong to the tribe, you can see videos of John doing live boot camps. You can read all these articles. There's so much there, so many resources. 
with that, through that ministry, Ransom Heart. And so we're going to have that all available because, again, it's a big part of our lives here at the Christian Car Guy Show. John, thank you so much for being on with us. It was more than awesome. Oh, yeah. I love it. Thanks for having me on. I've been, been looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to the Christian Car Guy Show today. Remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went, got it all done in 33 years. And how about this week? Spend some intimate time with the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Christian Car Guy Show.